Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Where's Your Bank Account? Where's your bank account? Matthew 6, 19 to 21. And we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been putting the Pharisees in their place. And he already, we already saw how he's been really exposing them. He exposed them as false teachers. He exposed them as fakes in the way that they were living, with the, what their lives really were. And now he corrects their messed up view of the Messiah, the Christ. The Messiah, the Christ, the one they were expecting to come and deliver Israel and to deliver the people. They were, they were, there was a huge messianic expectation at the time of Christ. It's hard to imagine, but for 400 years there hadn't been a prophet in Israel. For 400 years, it was called the 400 silent years. That's the last time a book in the Old Testament was written. And the last time a prophet had given a prophecy, it was a, a time of everybody just waiting, waiting. Just like we're kind of waiting for, like, you know, the second coming of Christ today. They're waiting for the first coming of Christ at this time. Huge expectation. But the Pharisees even got this wrong. They even messed up the whole expectation because they had taught the people to look for a political leader. They were all looking, they were teaching them to look for a political leader who would solve all the country's problems. Sound familiar? Uh, and they were also looking for a conquering hero who would come and defeat the Romans. He was going to come and, and lead an uprising just like the Maccabees and lead a rising and, and defeat all the bad Romans, the evil Romans, and kick them out of the country. He would be like Superman. He's going to come and deliver the country. He's going to be a Superman type. And he would also bring prosperity. This was an important part of this whole thing. He was going to bring prosperity. They were going to be rich. They were going to be the richest country on earth. They are going to be so rich they wouldn't even have to work hard anymore to get all this money. Hmm, sound familiar? So anyway, you can see some parallels, I'm sure, with where we, where, how we live today. But Jesus, the Christ, comes along, and they didn't know he was the Christ yet. He hadn't taken off the mask, it was just like Batman wears a mask and Spider-Man wears a mask. Jesus was the, the secret Messiah at this point. He's the secret Messiah. He hasn't told them his real identity, because once he did, guess what was going to happen? They're going to kill him, right? And his job wasn't done. The time, the clock is ticking. He knew he had three years of public ministry. And he was very careful on following his father, God's leading, on when to show himself because he knew he was going to be crucified by the Pharisees, the religious establishment at this time. And so he was the secret Messiah. He had this, this mask on. And, but Jesus, the Christ, comes along. The real one comes along. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted. And this is what the real Messiah is teaching. Very different from what the Pharisees said the Messiah was going to look like. And now the real kicker, he says, don't focus on earthly treasure. Focus on heaven. And this is our hint. Where's the real kingdom of heaven going to be? It's not going to be here. It starts here as a seed, but it, it comes to fruition in heaven. And he also, we're going to see where he teaches that true happiness doesn't come from earthly possessions, but from spiritual riches. And if there's ever been a message that we need in the USA today, I, we probably could say it's this, right? I mean, what, what is, really the whole world has this whole focus too, but our whole focus is accumulating things, making money, spending money. It's an obsession, right? 
In fact, there's even, I don't know if you know, but there's a, it wasn't starting in the U.S., but some people are picking up on it. There's even a, a company in Luxembourg, that, a stock corporation, that's now offering reincarnation accounts. Anybody, uh, anybody invest in this? I hope not. It's for the rich who would rather not start, I'm going to read you the advertisement, for the rich who'd rather not start from scratch the next time around. This seed capital is for your next life, minimum account $30,000, is redeemable within 23 years of death, provided that you know a few facts, a few personal facts of, you know, you have to, like, you know, just like you have a secret password, you have to be able to answer some secret facts that only you would know in your next life. And it says, while you are gone, this, they recommend a conservative investment portfolio, says a spokesman, you shouldn't be speculating while your soul wanders. So, even the obsession is so strong that even when we're... Even when we're, you know, people believe in reincarnation, looking for the next life, trying to make sure they have a lot of money when they get back here again, which we all know is not going to happen. Uh, our whole society, though, is based on materialism, isn't it? It's just based on that. Who gets the publicity? The celebrities. Lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? That's, that's who gets the publicity, the rich and famous. The, even in our community, we live in who hopes Solberry or, or thereabouts. You know, some are in Bucks County somewhere, some are over in Jersey. Same, same difference. It, it's such a focus on things and, and money and wealth, right? I mean, that's what it is. And my, my kids, every once in a while, they'll say, Mom or Dad, why are we so poor? I like, <laughs> like, what? Well, yeah, I go to my friend's house and they have blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, we are not, I've got to tell them, we are not poor, you know. We are wealthier than 99% of the world out there. You know? So it's crazy that, that we live in an area that we, our, our children could think we're poor. I mean, it's, it's insane, right? Uh, churches, even churches get caught up in it. A lot of materialism in churches. You don't have to look far to see you know, people spending lots of money on churches and, and buildings, and I'll use something else. Even, even churches fall into the trap of when they look for leaders in the church and elders. They look for, oftentimes, the qualification, the number one qualification is, are they a good businessman? Do they make a lot of money? That's the qualification. And, they, and then, as a result, the elders run the church like a business, and that's why Jesus picked all businessmen, Right? No, you pick stinky fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. And now, now, there's nothing wrong with being a businessman. We have many businessmen in our church, and we have businessmen on our elder board. And and but but we have godly. As our church, you got you guys have men and women have godly perspectives. And you have a godly perspective, and we realize that New Hope Community Church is not a business, but it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ, and there's a big difference. But many churches, and I've been part of them. If you walked into the elder meeting, or you, and if you walked in after the opening prayer, you would think you walked into a corporate meeting, because there's no difference. What are the numbers? Crunch the numbers. How's the giving? How's the attendance? You know, that it's all worldly. And and uh, it, and I, I've even seen churches that have pa- fired pastors, different staff people, and they would say, "This isn't personal. This is business. Don't take it personally. This is just business." And it's not a business. The body of Christ is not a business. It's a body. And if you cut off the big toe, guess what? The whole body hurts, right? Any part of the body gets hurt. It, it, it hurts the entire body. And that's what's very important to remember as a church. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with being a businessman. We have 
many, many business people, businessmen, women here. But the whole point is, is churches aren't businesses. doesn't mean we can't have some good business principles, but we're not, we're not a business. And if, we, and if, you, if, if the, church, the church is bought into that whole thing, because some of you have been in these churches. They run like businesses. That's the mentality, right? It's the materialism that's even, even in the church itself. Uh, even for Christians, forget the church. Christians, it's a big temptation for us, isn't it? Huge temptation to focus on this, this materialism because it's, it's all around. It's like breathing pollution. You can't get away from it. And it's really, really tough, isn't it? You know, we have this Voice of the Martyrs magazine that a lot of you are getting and reading, and it talks about the people who are being persecuted all around the world. And we pray for those who are persecuted for their faith, and we should pray for them. But you know what? I've read some of these quotes and even heard some people speaking, and they, and they come from other countries where they've been persecuted for their faith by communists or Muslims or something, and they say, listen, you're all praying for us not to be persecuted, but we're praying for you in America because you have it worse than we do. See, we're persecuted, and we have to turn to Christ and depend on him, but, but your persecution, your temptation, your struggle is materialism and all the garbage in the U.S. And I've even, some of them have even come, I've talked to some of them, they've come and they've spent maybe a month here and had to get out of here, get away, because they felt that they were losing their spiritual zeal and, and, and focus on Christ because it's so tempting in this culture. It's a big temptation. So let's, let's pray before we look at this passage. Father, we know this is a really tough one for every one of us, starting with me. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word now and help us to have an eternal perspective. We pray for your mercy and grace and pray you use this time to prepare us for our communion later. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew six nineteen to 21. It's, there's more verses, but we're just going to start with the first couple today. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The word store up in the Greek is... Uh, is emphatic and expressive. It's, it's hard to do in the English, but it, it means to gather together. It means to hoard. You know that reality show, Hoarders, you know? I don't know if you ever watched that, but, but it, that's the, some of you are like elbowing your husbands here, you know, you're a hoarder, right? But, but the, the, that's the picture, not to hoard the stuff, you know, these people can't let go and they got to have everything, the hoarders, right? And he says, don't store for yourselves treasure, and treasure is something that's costly, something that we value. Treasures on earth tells us what kind of treasure he's talking about. It's an earthly treasure. It's a, it's a material treasure he's talking about. Now, God is not saying that we can't work hard and save to take care of our family and, or future needs. I want to be clear on that. He's not, Jesus is not saying we can't save to take care of our future family needs, we would have to erase much of the book of Proverbs, all right, because it says that's important to do, take, you know, to, to store up, all right? It's also not wrong to be wealthy. In the Bible, there's many wealthy people that were godly people. You'd think of Abraham, hugely blessed, Job, blessed, David, Solomon, all blessed. That's not wrong to be wealthy, but Jesus, but 
taking the whole Bible together, he is talking about the excessive focus on material things, that insatiable desire, that never content with what we have. That's what he's talking about, not being content. And we could be considered poor or wealthy and still have the same thing, right? It's not how much we have. It's the mindset he's talking about. Materialism, it's the focus on the worldly stuff, worldly stuff instead of spiritual. And it's all, in, in seeing our stuff, it's all for self instead of realizing that we're just stewards. Everything that we have, we are just stewards. God has given it to us to use for his glory and for the good of other people. That's that, Realizing that whole concept we use it for god and the good of others and what happens is we get this idolatry of heart where we start to delight in things instead of in god that's that idolatry of heart what do we get our ultimate satisfaction from what do we look to when we're down and we want to be picked up what do we think about what do we go out and do? What do we use? What, that's, that, that's what he's talking about, what our ultimate affection, that delight of our heart. What, what do we put our trust in? What do we depend on? That dependence. If we're depending on something instead of God, that's what Jesus is talking about here. In fact, here I'll read you another passage, Luke 12. In Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21, Luke 12 talks about the rich fool. Some of you know this parable. He says here... Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. That's what Jesus is getting at here. If that rich man had a different perspective, how he's going to use that wealth, that wouldn't have been wrong at all to have all those things. But his whole perspective, he was depending on that instead of God. Matthew 19, 23 to 24 brings out the same thing when he's talking about the rich man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And it's bringing out the same thing. Why is it so hard? Because when we have wealth, we tend toward pride. We become proud and we become self-sufficient and we put our trust in riches instead of in God. That's the problem. It's what are we trusting and what are we putting our trust in? And Jesus gives some very concrete... Back to uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives some very concrete reasons why, treasures, why not to treasure earthly things because they're temporary. Look what he says here. He says back there, uh, verse 20, but uh, I'm sorry, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. At this time, there were no banks. There were no stocks to invest in. 
And so the main wealth was clothing. People would actually buy clothing and keep it in their house or tent wherever they lived. And they would also have gold, silver, or coins buried somewhere safe under the tent or in their house. They would hide away their treasure. That's what they would do. A lot more people are doing that in the U.S. today now that we don't trust the banks quite as much, right? But uh, but he he says, when you do that, when you have earthly treasures, the moth eats it. Now, I know it's a little different in our society. Now, we don't have quite the same problem. But I remember being a kid growing up on a farm, in the farmhouse, and you'd open a drawer and there was, you could smell mothballs, right? You, know, you had to do that because the moths would eat the clothing. And I remember sometimes opening up a drawer to, for the new season to put on winter clothing and there'd be holes all over my clothes because the moths would eat it. And I, it's not as common anymore, I guess. I don't know what we're doing different. But remember, you remember the mothballs? You had to do it. That, that's what would happen. Also, things rust, not just mozzie, but rust takes over. If, if, I always tell parents the best thing you can do for your kid in this society is take them to visit a junkyard on a regular basis. Go visit a junkyard. Because you go to a junkyard, and there aren't that many in Solberry, but where I grew up, there was quite a few junkyards. Every farm had its own junkyard. We'd go out, and there'd be all this old cars and junk rusting away. You know, old farm machinery, and but you visit a junkyard, and and I, I used to take the youth group to the junkyard every year, and a graveyard, because both are very important perspectives, and I would say, look around, everything you see in this in this junkyard was once somebody's treasure. Somebody loved this stuff. Look at this car. That was once a brand new car, and somebody was just thrilled to have this car. And some teenager was driving it, or some person was driving it, and they just, they just thought that car was the best thing ever. Look at it now. It's junk. Washing machines, refrigerator, any TVs, all the stuff in the junkyard was once a treasure to somebody. But it's just junk, which shows us that everything we have today is future junk. <laughs> That's all it is, Right? And, and I've drilled that into my kid's head so well that sometimes it backfires on me. Whenever Nate gets into the car after soccer practice, he always puts his cleats up on my dashboard, you know, my car. And, and I say, get your feet off my dashboard. He's like, Dad, what, what are you getting so upset about? It's just junk, you know, it's just junk. I go, I, go, I know, but if you wreck my car, I'm going to have to pay for more junk, which I don't want to do. So leave, get your feet off my dashboard and get the cleats off there. But, but it's true. It is just junk. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't take care of it because we don't want to spend more money on more future junk, right? So, uh, it's, so I'm trying to get that through to him. And I say, well, let me go smash your game, game thing. Let me go step on it or something. So he gets, then he gets the point. Anyway. Love you, Nate. But anyway, yeah, yeah, the, whatever. Now, here's the thing. And whatever doesn't get eaten by moths, whatever doesn't get e- rusted away, eaten by rust is vulnerable to theft. It's going to get stolen. It could be stolen. There's no safe haven. There's no safe place anywhere for our wealth. And if we don't understand that after the last few years, I don't know what it's going to take, right? The last, I was reading a statistic. After the last stock correction, <laughs> we call them crashes, all right? The last correction, there was like 40% of the wealth was lost worldwide in just the last one. And, and it's just, that's what happens. 40%, poof, gone. There's no safe place on earth for our stuff. I remember when I was at seminary, I was a groundskeeper for a, a very elderly couple. They were um, elderly, and they were very wealthy. They owned a, 
a meat market that if I named it, you'd recognize it. They own a meat company and a whole conglomerate there. Very wealthy. And I used to go and rake their leaves and do handiwork stuff to kind of pay my way through seminary. And I remember they one time they bought matching cars. They bought Jaguars, these two white Jaguars. And they pulled them in, and they were all excited. They got their new Jaguars. And these people shouldn't have been driving, first of all. You know, they should not have been driving. Sure enough, the, the, one of them crashed. I think it was the wife. Crashed the Jaguar the first day. You know, it was all crashed up. Drove it off the lot and just smashed it, you know. Because she just, you know. But beautiful Jaguars crash. And not just that. There was that back, this was back when we had the crash of 87, I think it was. Was it at the big one, the 87? It was Black Tuesday, I think it was called. And I remember I was at their house working on Black Tuesday. And they were, we were, I remember walking by and seeing this, this elderly gentleman. This guy had one foot in the grave. I mean, he was very close to moving on, right? He was going to die soon. And he was sitting there watching the stocks as they crashed. And I remember just walking by hour after hour as I was working that day. Just, he just was frozen in front of this TV set and the stocks were like you know going down down you know they were going the tickers and, and he was just his whole life was just crumbling before him that was his whole focus was these stupid stocks when his life was ready to be ended and he's heading on to another life you can't take it with you I never saw I've done a lot of funerals I've never seen a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul never seen it Although there was, I did hear of one exception one time. There was once a man, I heard this story, I don't know if it's true, but it's a pretty interesting story. The, uh, there was a man who was, was died, and the angel who was sent to pick him up and take him up to heaven, he was a Christian, he was going to take him up, said, okay, it's time to go, you've died. He goes, oh, well, can I just bring something with me? Can I just bring one suitcase? No, no, it doesn't work like that. And, but the guy was so pathetic, crying, begging. The angel didn't know if he could get it in, but he said, okay, we'll try it. Go pack something. So the guy goes out, and he had gold buried under the house. He put a suitcase full of gold, sticks it in the suitcase, and, and he comes running out to the angel. So I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. He says, okay. He grabs his hand. They fly up to heaven. They get up to heaven. Pearly gates, St. Peter. You all know how it works. Uh, and uh, not really. But anyway, he comes to St. Peter, and St. Peter says, what's this? He goes, well... Listen, uh, Pete, I, I'm sorry, but he was so pathetic. I just couldn't say no. You know that's not love. Please, please, guys, please, St. Peter, please let me in with this. Please. Like, well, all right, air, like airport security. Let me check the bag. Let me check the bag. What's in there? He opens it up, and he sees the gold. And he said, you brought pavement? <laughs> and it's true. What we think is so valuable now is just... Dirt in heaven, right? Streets of gold, you know? It's, 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 it's nothing. But what we value is, is going to be what we walk on in heaven, right? And, and it's, but we can't take, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You understand that? You can't take it, but you can send it on ahead. Because God has a retirement IRA plan that's out of this world. He says to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Back to 6, 19, 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven. And the first part of this is make sure that we're going to heaven. <laughs> That's the first step in this. Are we going to heaven? 
And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know for a fact you're going to heaven through Jesus Christ? That is the only way. It's through him, by putting our faith in him. Jesus, we're going to be doing the, the communion here in a little bit. The communion shows what Jesus did for us. The bread being the body of Christ, the, the, the cup being the, the blood of Christ, representing the blood of Christ. He died on that cross to pay for our sin, to pay for all the wrong we've ever done, to knock down this wall between us and God, that if we will put our faith in him, if we'll turn away from that sin, repent of that sin in our life, and put our faith in Jesus Christ, our trust in him, give our life to him, we can have a relationship with God. We can commune with God. We can have a relationship with him. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? And after we do put our faith in Christ, we realize that the real treasure is Christ. Our real treasure is God himself, right? To know him, to, to become like him, to follow God, to commune with him. That's where, what the whole Sermon on the Mount is all about. That's what true happiness is. That's where we get joy and peace from, is through realizing that God is our treasure. And we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And then we store up treasures for ourselves by using our earthly possessions for him. Our earthly abilities, our bodies, our abilities, our talents, our th- everything we have, if we use it to glorify God and for the good of other people, we are storing up treasures for ourselves. Just like a Christmas carol with, with Scrooge, Charles Dickens' Christmas carol. Remember Scrooge when he finally figured out his whole purpose was to help people? It's that same idea that Jesus is teaching here. When we realize that everything we have is to be used for God's glory and, and, and for, other, for the good of other people, that allows us to translate our potential junk into an earthly treasure. We take earthly junk and we can turn it into something valuable in heaven. It's like foreign exchange. If you go to visit another country... A lot of you have been in other countries. If you go to another country and you're carrying dollar bills, American dollar bills around, can you spend them? Not usually, some countries, but most countries you have to exchange them. I've been in a lot of different places. And before you can, you, you take your money and you go up to an exchange place at the airport and you trade it in and you get money that you can use in that country. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. You can't, anything you have here is worthless. Paper in heaven But you can take it and exchange it now for something you can spend in heaven when you get there. We can use our talents, our abilities, the things, that, the stuff that we have for God. And when we do it, we are exchanging it for a treasure. We're We're translating junk into treasure. That's what we're doing. And then Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's a very searching verse, isn't it? Because it shows the the importance of choosing the right kind of treasure. Choosing the right kind of treasure has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. For those who are young people looking at colleges or trying to plan your life, eternal consequences. Once we make a choice on what our treasure is going to be, then our heart follows that. Our Life follows that. Our efforts and and time is focused on that. And we'll be focused on worldly things or spiritual things. And we have to constantly check our hearts, don't we? 
We have to constantly check ourselves and, and to say, what is my focus? Where are my affections? What am I putting my time and effort into? Is it eternal or is it in worldly things? What retirement plan are you planning on? What retirement are you planning for? Is it one for earth or is it one for heaven? Once again, as we get ready to go to communion here, are you a Christian yet? Are you, go- are you going to heaven? I remember going to visit the World Trade Center. Wow, it was when I was a youth pastor in Pennsylvania, probably 20, a long time ago, 28 years ago. And I remember going to visit it, and I got to the top, and they were getting out these pamphlets saying, the closest some of us will ever get to heaven. And it was like a tongue-in-cheek joking about the World Trade Center being so high and you're closer to heaven than you'll ever get, you know, for many of us. And, and they were trying to be funny, but I was like, this is true. And look what happened in 9-11. How many thousand people perished in those buildings? It's true. Without Jesus Christ, that's the closest any of us could ever get is the highest building on earth. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And, and his, the cross of Jesus Christ, once again, communion, the body and the blood of Christ, it, that cross of Jesus Christ, he made a way for us to get reconnected to God if we will put our faith in him. And maybe you're here today and you realize how empty things are. You've been following a lot of other things, trying to accumulate things or following things, and you realize how empty that is, that it will never make you happy or satisfied that deepest part of our heart that only God can satisfy. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can satisfy that. Have you ever put your faith, are you ready to put your faith in Jesus today? For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, maybe this communion is about refocusing. It's about reconnecting with God and refocusing, which is the whole point every month we do this. That's what the whole point of communion is, right? Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. It's a good refocus verse. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Where are our hearts and minds set today? We're, every day we've got to make that decision. Am I going to set my mind, just like setting the TV, you know, the channel on the TV, what am I going to set my mind and heart on today? What is going to be my focus today? Has anything taken God's place in our hearts? Things, people, goals? What are we investing in? What are we investing our stuff in, our time and our energy, our abilities? What are we investing in? You know, we have this ministry in the Philippines. I can't say where it is because this will be on podcast. But a lot of you know about our ministry in the Philippines. And they just, Mark and Vanessa just sent me uh, a picture, some pictures. And if, Josh, you could just run those through of, of a baptism they've had recently. And these are believers who've been persecuted and uh, became Christians. Very, very touching. And they just had a baptism, just like we had a baptism in the Delaware. They had a baptism near where, where they just had those tsunami warnings this week. <laughs> Beautiful picture, but this is, these, this is, notice the shirt, Mark, uh, I gotta be careful what you say, I'll just use the first name, Mark, wearing our shirt. <laughs> you know, they, because he sees himself as partners with us in ministry. We've supported and encouraged them and helped them. 
as a church, and we're going to be doing more and more now that we've got the, the, the shields there in the Philippines too. But we're going to be doing more and more. But several people in our church have invested, special, not just as a church, but several people have invested in this ministry. And their investment has resulted in this ministry moving forward and, and people getting saved, people being baptized. It's just an amazing story. But, but that's the, the, the reason I'm showing these pictures is I want to keep us thinking this way. How can we keep encouraging this ministry in the Philippines? How can we keep thinking outwardly? How can we keep investing as a church and as an individuals to make eternal difference in people's lives? What is God asking us to give? Thanks, Josh. You can shut that up. What is God asking us to give? What is he asking us to give to him? Maybe he's asking us to exchange something earthly for something much, much better. I'm just going to read a, a little story here before we go into communion. I have no idea if it's true, but it's a great story. And it really brings out the, what I'm talking about here. It says, what are you hanging on to? It says, a little girl with, um, I'll read it, with bouncy curly hair was almost five. Waiting with her mother at the checkout stand, she saw them, a circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, Mommy, can I have them? Please, Mommy, please. Uh, the mother, I'll shorten a little bit, she says, if you save your money, we'll bring you back. And so she saved, saved, saved her money, all her birthday money. She did chores. She ended up saving $2, which it was going to cost to buy them. She was so excited. She went back to the store. She bought the necklace. She loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. She wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath. Mother said if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. <clears throat> Some of you remember those. Jenny had a very loving daddy, and every night when he, she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs to read her a story. One night when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, Do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. You can have my princess, the white horse for my collection, you, you, the one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy, the one you gave me? She's my favorite. That's okay, honey, Daddy. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after the story time, Jenny's dad asked again, Do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. You can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She is so beautiful, and you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed your cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later when Daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed, Indian style. As he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling. And one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy. And when she opened it, there was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's kind father reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace, and with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls and gave them to Jenny. He had them all the time. 
He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her genuine treasure. Jenny's father is like our Heavenly Father. He is also waiting for us to give up our dime store stuff and seek him first so he can fling open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that will not have room enough to hold it. What are you hanging on to? And remember, God can't pour blessings into our hands already full of worthless things. There's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? What are we hanging on to? What does God want to bless us with that's a true treasure? It may not be earthly, anything we can use on earth, but it might be something that will make a big difference eternally. Let's pray. As we get ready to go to this communion time and we have this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you're saying you're not a Christian. You've never put your faith in Christ and given your life to him and turned away from the worthless garbage and sin and repented and and put your faith in Christ. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And you're ready to take that step through prayer. This is just between you and God. Just talk to God and give him your life. Just say something like this. There's no magic words, but something like this. God, I... I don't want the garbage anymore. I don't want the sin anymore. I repent of that. I turn away from everything in my life that is, is hurt my relationship with you. I repent of that. And I believe Jesus, your son, died on the cross for me to pay for that sin. And I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you prayed that prayer of faith, you've just become a child of God, a son, a daughter of God. He's become your heavenly father. And now you can commune. You can talk to him any time about anything. And he has put his spirit inside of you, and things are going to change. You're going you're gonna to know he's there. You're going to sense his presence. And he's going to start a transformation process in your life. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've taken that step. Maybe you know somebody here or tell me on the way out or felt that card in the bulletin, stick it in the box, email, call. Let, let someone know. Let me know. Let someone know so we can be excited for you and help you in your new faith. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us today as we get ready to commune with him, this communion service? Maybe we're like that little girl with these worthless pearls that we're clinging to, and God is speaking to us about making a trade, surrendering our stuff, or our life, or our goals, or our time, our energy, surrendering that and exchanging it for something that is so much better. His perfect plan for our life, reaching our full spiritual potential in Christ. Father, as we go to this communion time, we pray that your spirit would continue the work that you've started in us. We pray that in Jesus' name.